rhinoplasty, the nose surgery, is the surgery for intelligent people. We need a patient that can understand that the results are not perfect and won't be, not even in the best hands in the world. Mm. We need patients that understand that this is a process that will take some time in order to achieve the result. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Rhinoplasty Podcast with me, Dr. Cameron McIntosh. We're in the month of September with our final month of season two, where we have titled this month Hola South America. And I am so honored to have a guest all the way from Bogota in Colombia with me today in studio, George Espinoza. George, welcome to the show. Hi, Cameron. It's an honor for me to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. And Buenos dias desde la mitad de los Andes. Ah, it's awesome. You'll have to be able to speak it in like 70 languages because we've got people from all over the world listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, George, let's just break the ice a little bit. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay. I am an ENT surgeon here in Bogota, in Colombia. I did my medical school, my ENT, here in the in the military university. And after that, I did a fellowship in facial plastic surgery. I went to New York with Dr. Norman, Norman Pastorek, and I did a fellowship here with Dr. Fernando Pedrosa in Bogota. Um, I am an anatomy teacher too in the university. And uh, I have worked in the societies here in Colombia. I have been the president of the Facial Plastic Surgery Society and the ENT Society. Well, one of my passions is to teach. It's one of the main things that I like to do. And the other thing is to paint. So I have to balance everything around that. That's amazing, eh? But yes, to do fellowships under Dr. Pedroza and Dr. Posterick is amazing. I, I've, I've suddenly turned a little bit green. I'm jealous. Those are Really great guys to work under. Do you now have fellows who come and work under you as well? No, no, I didn't know that. So do, did you wait where? I say, do you have fellows who are who you are teaching as well now? Yes, absolutely. We ha I have residents from two universities. And we're starting a fellow in facet plexus surgery in June. Wow. So... Uh, we're starting a huge plan of education here that uh, the main objective is to improve the facial plastic surgery here in Colombia too. That's great. And I know that in two years' time with Roxana, you guys are also hosting the International Federation of Facial Plastic Surgery Societies meeting that they have every four years, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, in 2024, we, have, we will have in Cartagena, this is the in the Caribbean coast of Colombia, a fantastic city, the biggest uh, international meeting that will be the Federation meeting of facial plastic surgery. So everybody is invited and we will welcome you as wow. good as we can. So, so George, going back now, when you were, you were a medical student, you decided to become an ENT surgeon, how did you end up with this passion for rhinoplasty that you have? Well, being an ENT uh, surgeon, I have to deal with the nose. In some 
some part of my residence, mm. I had to learn about that. But the surgery of the nose is one of the most challenging surgeries. Mm -hmm. So you never stop learning. And it's very complex because you have to handle the muscle, the skin, the bones, the cartilage. And at the end, you will have a result in the table that won't be the same mm -hmm. two weeks, two months, or six months after the surgery. So it's very complex. And I like, I like to, to be challenged for that. And it's very painful too. So I start doing surgery and trying to get the best results. And the longest time in the surgery was between when you finish the surgery and when you take out the tapes. Yes. These are the longest two weeks in all the world because you don't know really what happened with the nose. Yeah. I remember when I did my first surgery, trying to achieve everything, just writing everything. Uh, I am very precise in the work I do. I do. And putting the tape and thinking all the two weeks, oh, I did it all right. Yeah. I, I put this stitch, I cut this, and at the end, taking the tapes two weeks after and realizing that everything was not perfect, but was better than my nightmares. Yeah. So at the end, I understand that this is a process. And it's a process when you start the surgery, but it's a process as a surgeon because you will never stop learning. Mm. And it's very interesting to see what is happening in the world right now. Mm -hmm. Because I started doing surgery like 25, 24 years ago. And the main uh, way to do the surgery was the closed surgery. Mm -hmm. And after that came everybody thinking about opening the, the nose and the wars between the closed and the open nose. And right now we have the structural nose and the preservation nose mm -hmm. and the ultrasonic nose and the three, 360 degrees surgery and a lot of concepts around that are trying to achieve the same goal, the best possible result. So the things are changing so fast and you see how the thing, things evolve and goes back mm -hmm. and evolve again and change everything. Right now, I am uh, like the, in the old school, working almost with everything with close mm -hmm. surgery. And I don't do preservation. Mm -hmm. I don't do structural. I don't do ultrasonic. And I have a fantastic results. Yes. So I think uh, the, best, the best result in surgery is the mix of a lot of things. You have to you have to have the knowledge. Of course, you have to know have have to have to know the, the anatomy of the nose, the techniques that you have to to do in order to achieve a result. But you have to be able to do the performance during the surgery. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have any of these three uh, pillars of the surgery, the surgery won't go mm -hmm. well. So. Uh, the reason I start doing surgery in the nose, the reason that I am continuing doing the surgery is because I think it's the most difficult surgery 
in the face and in the body, I think. And it's so challenging. And every surgery, I understand more about the results. And when I take pictures two years, five years after the surgery, and I keep my records and I realize that I did something that can last, it's amazing. It's really a, a fulfillment sensation that you are doing something that can evolve and can it better, can be better with all the time. Wow. I'm a bit speechless. Normally I can ask questions, but I'm thinking this is inspiring to hear. So I want to ask you a question. You guys, I think, could be similar to South Africa. We've got quite a melting pot of different ethnicities. So we don't necessarily just have like a Caucasian nose or an, a, a, an African nose. What is the the the... the ethnic nose in Colombia generally that you see? Are you seeing quite a wide range of different patients with different requests? Somewhere you actually have to like take down a lot of the, the nose, others you have to build up a lot of things. What is it like when you're operating there in, in Bogota? Well, it's very complex to answer this question. I've received Caucasian nose, uh, mestizo nose, uh, African noses, black noses. Uh, we don't have too many Asian people here in, in, in Colombia. Maybe this is the only populational group that we don't treat frequently. But in order to understand which one is the, the nose average here in Colombia, you have to understand that Colombia is in the corner of South America, in the northern part. And its, it's geography is broken by three chains of mountains. So we have the jungle, Amazonas jungle in the south, the Caribbean in the north, the Pacific in the, in the west. And in the middle, we have three chains of mountains that divide all the country. So we have all the weathers here, all the altitudes here, and we receive a lot of immigrants from Africa during the Spanish colonization, from Europe during the 90s. Uh, and uh, we, are, we have a background of uh, natives, uh, Americans, mm -hmm. and the Spanish people that came here. Mm -hmm. So we are really a melting pot of not only races, but uh, ways of thinking. Mm -hmm. So... Most of our patients, I, I, today I will have two surgeries and I will do a Caucasian nose and after that I will uh, do a mestizo nose, a very, very mestizo nose. So we, we have to move around mm -hmm. a wide range of techniques and in order to achieve a good result in each one of our patients. That's great. Eh? So Okay, so on, on the podcast, we don't just have... Uh, doctors listening but but quite a few patients also want to want to listen and i think two of the questions that that kind of keep coming up is um the one question would be is what is your advice to a patient who wants to come and do a rhinoplasty what are the important messages you want to try and send to patients well i will steal some phrases of a very good surgeons. uh the rhinoplasty, the nose surgery, is the surgery for intelligent people. 
We need a patient that can understand that the results are not perfect and won't be, not even in the best hands in the world. Mm. We need patients that understand that this is a process that will take some time in order to achieve the result. And we need a patient who can understand that even if we improve the nose a lot, we will never improve the uh, inner aspect of the patient. So, I like to think as a surgeon, and I want to think really that the main importance of a person is inside. Mm -hmm. The way he thinks, the way he acts, the way he cares about the other people. And my work as a surgeon is to just improve the external case in order to let the other people know the inner things of this patient. So, uh, the best patient has to be a very good person mm. and has to be an intelligent person that understands everything around that. I have one of the main things that I like uh, about surgery too is when I take the tapes and I see a patient crying, full of emotion, thinking, wow, doctor, you really will change my life. And I think in my head, well, it's really beautiful the result. I know that you have improved a lot the image, but you have to understand that the case without the inner work won't be enough. Mm. So the main advice for the patient is try to understand that we can improve a lot the face and the nose and make you feel better and see better. But the only way to become a happy person is work from inside to outside. Mm. So this will be my main advice. Wow. Okay. Um, how do patients actually get hold of you if they are interested in wanting to come for surgery? Uh, can you repeat how, the question, how, do, how do people reach out to you? I'm, I'm not talking yet about the other doctors, but if a patient's trying to find you, do they just should they just Google you, follow you on Instagram? Well, um, I have forty percent of my patients are referred from other patients. Wow. Sixty percent of my patients come from Google, social media, and right now. Uh, TikTok is becoming a very good input of patients. Okay, so tell, so, tell me a bit about TikTok because this is something I'm interested in. I've, I've just seen one or two guys on it. Um, yeah, tell us as, as, as listeners, other colleagues here around the world are thinking, ooh, what's TikTok? Tell us a little bit more. Well, uh, I used to think the way you think about TikTok. When you think about TikTok, TikTok is a social media when you see people dancing and doing crazy things and a lot of things that are not very professional. But when I started with TikTok, I think right now is the best, the best social media. You have in just one minute all the information about just one thing. So, for example, if you like to cook, you will find amazing receipts that you will check from the beginning to the end in just one minute. If you like to ride to ride horses, you will find 
all the information about that. If you, so it's a fantastic way of transmitting your knowledge in a very, very specific amount of time. So you have to be very precise. And the patients love that as well as, as I love under uh, learn things with that. So I try to just to educate the patients about specific things. For example, the which will be the best candidate for have a surgery and no surgery. And in just one minute, I will have to tell the patients the most important thing about that. So I have colleagues that think about TikTok as just a waste of time, mm -hmm. and they don't think about a professional way of mm -hmm. marketing your practice. But I think completely different is the most professional way of doing it. And the mark or the rhythm of this media, you, you have to do it. Uh, you have to do it in the very professional way in order to achieve the result that you have. So right now I have patients that just sit here across the desk and tell me, oh, doctor, you know, I love the way you talk about that. Uh, you are super size and you transmit confidence. So I really want you to do the surgery with me because I can trust in you when I hear you talking. And I am not dancing and I, I, yeah. I am not painting my face with colors yeah, or yeah. doing crazy things. Trying to be the most professional doctor that I can be. And I know that the patients just uh, are thank, thankful about that. That's great. Okay, so look, it's now we're recording you in February and this is going live in September. I'm for sure going to be on TikTok by then. Thank you so much for that. Okay, so let's let's move it a little bit more towards um towards like the the our colleagues who want to operate and maybe some pearls in terms of that. So say one of the guys sitting anywhere in the world, uh, there's so many countries listening to this podcast. What would your advice be for someone who's just kind of dabbling with this idea of wanting to do rhinoplasty? How, how should they go about wanting to upskill themselves to become a rhinoplasty specialist? Well, uh, I have several things to talk about. Uh, when I started to do surgery, I started with one lecture that they gave everywhere. And the name of that lecture was the successful, the successful tips for a successful surgery. So how to have the best result possible. So I have to think a lot about that. Mm. So I will try to divide the answer in two ways. The first is how to, how can you improve yourself in order to, do, to achieve the best result? And the other part is how to improve the way, the way you feel about the surgery and about the patients when you do a surgery, because mm -hmm. it's two separate things that are very important. And I will start with the second part. How, you, how do you improve your feeling around the patient and the surgery and the surgery? And the main thing that I have to say is, as soon as you realize that you are not perfect, and you won't have perfect results, 
you will be a happier and a better surgeon. Why I tell these things about the surgery? Because you will never have a perfect result. I always end the surgery thinking that I did my mm. best and my patient is very happy and I, I took pictures and posted in the social media and everybody is, wow, this surgery is fantastic. But you know that the tip could be a little bit more wider, mm. a little bit more thinner. You really know that you can have a better result with every one of the surgeries. But the patient knows that too at the end. All the patients are very happy mm. at the eight days and the 15 days where you take out the, the types, all the patients are happy. But after two months, three months, six months, the patients start to realize that everything was not perfect. So I put it in the front during the consultation with the patient. Mm. I tell the patients, okay, you know, I am a very good surgeon. You can just check my curriculum BT. You can check all my trajectory. And, but you have to know that the perfection is not a goal that I can achieve. And one in 20 patients will require a second surgery. Mm -hmm. And if I tell the patient just into the front of the consultation and the patient agrees to have the surgery, in six months, if I really need to do a, a revisional surgery in the, my patient, the patient will understand that I explained that at the beginning. Mm, mm. So at the beginning, when I started doing surgery, I am very demanding with my results. And I put all my effort and I punish myself during the weeks thinking about, wow, this dorsum was a little, was a little bit too high. Why should I do better in, during the surgery? And I tend to blame myself as a surgeon of not getting the best result. Mm -hmm. But if you understand that the perfection is not a goal mm. and the patient understand that, and you understand that at the end, some patients will require a revisional surgery, mm -hmm. even in the best hands of the world. So you will be a happier, yeah. a surgeon, yeah. but you will be a better surgeon too, because you will try to not have this revisional yes. surgery mm. with all your efforts. Mm. So the other way of thinking about who, how to improve your results in surgery is how to become a better surgeon. Mm -hmm. And it connects completely with this concept that the perfection is not a realistic goal. So. One of my main advice is trust your eyes. Sometimes you know everything about the technique. You know how to put the stitches, how to do the fractures, how to put the grafts. You have read all the articles and you have the experience to do that. And you do everything perfect, but you forget just one thing. Just look at the nose in the table. Mm. Look at the mm. result. And trust what are you looking in the table. Yeah. Because sometimes you trust that everything that you do was perfect. The performance was incredible in the surgery. And you forget to see the result in the table. Yeah. And when you see the, res the final result in the table, don't close the nose until you think that you have done 
everything that you can do in order to achieve the best result. Mm -hmm. I will say it in other words. Try to do your secondary nose during the, your primary surgery. So if you really see that you have a little bit high the dorsal, treat it right now. Will be yeah. easier, will be better, will be cheaper, and at the end the patient will be happier. Because if you just let it there like that, telling yourself that ah oh, this could improve with the time. Uh, no, and no, no, yeah. It won't happen. So try to not to close the surgery if you are not completely satisfied with the result. That is so interesting to say. When you do it, imagine you're doing your revision. Okay, so then it, it brings me to another question. Do you sometimes get to the point where you've actually closed the nose and then you take the stitches out of the columella or wherever it is and start again? Because I, I do that sometimes when I'm, I, I get super frustrated when I haven't got the result that I want. Absolutely. I have to remember... One of the things that I admire, admire most about my teachers, I think I, I am a very good teacher, but I have to, I cannot take all the credit. Hmm. I learned a lot from my teachers and they gave me all the knowledge and uh, without any restriction. So one of the things that I learned is that there is no time, there is no clock, during the nose surgery. Mm. So, I sometimes I have finished the surgery and I have restarted it again because I didn't want, I didn't was completely satisfied with the result. So yes, I have do it and I think it's the most responsible way to mm. do it. Okay. Because at the end, the patient won't uh, complain well sometimes the patient will complain about the time and the price they have to pay for the yes. time of the surgery but they three months six months or one year after the surgery yeah. they won't matter about yeah, yeah. that they only will will matter about what was the final result of the surgery okay so George one of my colleagues I often work with is Stuart Geldenhuis and sometimes we will work together on a rhinoplasty and I'll get to the point where I say Stuart it's fine we can stop now and he will carry on tinkering for maybe one more hour so there's this balance though between getting a good result and getting that perfect result and it's a hard one because I mean if you're going to spend say, say three hours on doing a rhinoplasty a primary rhinoplasty, doing doing the same thing in six hours. It's it's, it's sometimes also you like you should know what you're doing and go and do it at the same time. Um, I don't know what the answer is to that. I don't know what you think. How, how long do you normally take on a primary rhinoplasty? Usually, take like two hours, two hours and a half. Yeah. But uh, yes, I understand completely what are you saying. But we are doctors, so. We have to be able to balance the final result that we want to get mm -hmm. and the price, the price that we are paying for that. Mm -hmm. So if you uh, just do the surgery and you 
uh, uh, start the surgery again because you didn't like and take out the stitches and do it three times. At the end, you will have all the cartilage is broken. Yeah, yeah. You will yeah. have will have this the vascularity of the skin yeah. compromise. Uh, so you have we have to be able to balance, and you will have with experience, be able to find the middle point between the best result that you can get and the best result that you can get with this patient. Okay. I, I understand that. When I talk, I sound like maybe I won't stop doing the surgery until I have the perfect nose. But the main start point is that you will never have yes. a perfect nose. So the balance as in your life, has to be the main thing and the main goal when you are doing the surgery. Yeah. Because you cannot put at risk the health of the patient. First, do not harm. So it's very complex. That's, that's why nose is the most difficult surgery. <laughs> It is, eh? Yes. George, I've so enjoyed this half an hour of talking with you. Uh, I think you should write a philosophical book about rhinoplasty as well. Eh? It's it's very inspiring to hear that. Um, tell me about a funny story that happened uh, during your career, maybe in the operating theater or uh, in the consulting suites or something like that. Well, I don't know if I... Well... I will tell you a different story. A story that I think is inspiring for me, or was inspiring for me. When I was working in, in a university hospital, I received an intern that for some reason, she was forced to have this rotation with me. Okay. And she hated everything around cosmetic surgery. And I just, I just, I just, all my practice is around cosmetic surgery. So that's the only thing I do. I, I don't do tonsils. I don't do uh, ear uh, surgery. I just do cosmetic surgery. And she was, she was very intelligent, but she, she said the worst comment that you can imagine at the beginning of a rotation. Oh, doctor, you know, I hate what you do. I just am here because I have to be. I will try to learn what I can. But let me tell you that I think the plastic surgery, the nose surgery, is uh, the surgery for superficial people who no. doesn't have in what to spend the money and all the things, all the, all the prejudices around the surgery that you hear everywhere, everywhere. So I was shocked about that. So how can, how can a very intelligent doctor tell me at the beginning, these awful comments. She yeah. she really doesn't have a clue about what I do. So she started working, working with me. And at the end of these two months of rotation, she did a fantastic rotation with me. She was perfect. She wrote an article. She was, I was very happy with her, but at the in my heart, I yeah. knew that something was not right. And at the end, She'd sit in front of the of my desk and tell me, oh, doctor, I want to apologize. Wow. You know, at the beginning, I thought, I really thought that the work that you do was superficial and lack of importance in the medical world. 
And right now, after seeing all your all your happy patients, mm. or all the things that you can change in a patient with just one with just one surgery, I have to tell you that the superficial person was me. So let me ask you if I can do a fellowship with you in plastic surgery. No. Though, so this was so inspiring yeah. for me because I really, I really, I really mean, I really think, I really, I really believe that with my surgery, I am changing the lives of the people. Yeah. Because I can just let, when I change the, the image of one person, I let that person to be able to communicate better with all the other people because the face is, is more balanced, yeah. more harmonic. And as the most important thing is inside, this is the way to communicate these inside things to the outside world. Yeah. So this was very inspiring for me. Wow. I got goosebumps when you telling me that story. Eh? George, wow. Thank you, man. Um, yes, just from myself personally, but also for all the listeners around the world. Thank you for, for taking time out before you start a long day of surgery. Thank you for those really great stories. And, and this is just what this podcast is about, you know, spreading this good news about rhinoplasty. So we really appreciate your time and your effort. And from all the listeners around the world, uh, Thank you. And to all the listeners around the world, guys, clock in again next week for another episode of the Rhinoplasty Podcast. Cameron, thank you so much. Muchas gracias desde la mitad de los Andes in the middle of Colombia. <laughs>